bless the name of the Lord. Here's my worship, all of my worship. Receive my worship, God, tonight. God bless you. Welcome again to the Bible study here at Shiloh in New London. We're excited that you joined us tonight. I'm excited about the lesson tonight, so let's get into it in just a moment. Let's go before the throne of grace. God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you are to us. Speak through me, but also to me. And I thank you even now that the words that you will speak have life and power. The grass withers and the flower fade away, but the word of our God will last forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, join me tonight. We're in Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. We've been on this series, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. And we're in Proverbs chapter 30 tonight. Proverbs chapter 30. And this is a very interesting proverb. It's very interestingly written. Uh, and we want to dig in for a while and uh, see where God will take us. Beginning at verse 1 through verse 6, here's the word of the Lord. The words of Agar, the son of Jacob, the oracle, the man says to Ithel, to Ithel and to Ochel, Surely I am more brutish and stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man, for I do not know what I do not know. I have not learned skillful and godly wisdom, nor do I have knowledge of the Holy One who is the source of wisdom, who has ascended into heaven and descended, who has gathered the wind in his fist, who has bound the waters in his garment, who has established all the ends of the earth, what is his name and what is his son's name? Certainly you know. Every word of God is tested and refined like silver. He is a shield to those who trust and take refuge in him. Do not add to his word or he will reprove you and you will be found a liar. This, this text at first glance is one of those that kind of leaves you like, what in the world is he talking about? But if you read it closely, you get to the first of what I think are 11 lessons from Proverbs 30. There are 11 lessons here. And the first lesson that he gives us is the lesson of human limitations. Human limitations. And he, 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 if you think of the book of Job and that conversation with Job and God, as Job is exhorting God, where were you? you know, God, I, I'm going through, you know, you abandoned me, you left me. And God looks back at Job and says, shut up. Where were you when I made the stars? Where were you when I made the earth? This is that Job lesson here from a person who is self-deprecating. He doesn't mean he doesn't have any wisdom. What he means is, I'm not smarter than God. I'm not greater than God. God knows stuff I don't know. And matter of fact, if I'm honest about it, I don't even know what I don't know because I don't know it. The reality of what he's suggesting to us is, that our knowledge of both natural law, the universe, the world, the world outside of the world we live on called earth, the world above, our knowledge is limited. It's limited. It is, it is, so, it is so minute. Uh, we, 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 we have some sense of where the stars are in the heavens, and we've even tried to name them, but we really don't know what those are. We have some sense of other planets out beyond our, our atmosphere, but we really don't know those planets. We want to make trips as far away as Mars, but we really have not been there personally. The truth is that we live with human limitations. And the acceptance of the human limitations leaves space in our thinking and in the, our conduct for God. It leaves space for the divine. In other words, if you can get to the place 
a personal recognition of the fact that you need God and that you want divine blessings in your life and that you're limited in how much you know, even that which you know in the natural, then you will always look up to God and always expect and know that God was looking down to you. Your respect, your reverence for what God is doing and has done and will do increases as you recognize your limitations. Oh, I mean, humanity has done some phenomenal things. I mean, just think of air travel. At one point, the only, only thing that could fly in the air were the birds of the sky, the insects. Now we, we have our jet planes that can go from one place to another, but they have limitations of gas and of how many miles they can go, of wind shears and of all kinds of weather systems. You have to realize that with all of the mechanical and technical strides that have been made, there are still limitations. I remember back when I was young, for my first set of headphones. I'm and really I, I, into music a lot, and I like sound. I, I love sound, and so my first pair of headphones were they were you know what I could afford. Uh, they weren't that great, but had big old thick black wire running down them. Two things came up on the sides, and and I was doing good. It made noise. It made noise. As I got older, I kept buying better and better. Finally, I got a real nice set of headphones that required what they call a DAC or a headphone amp, a digital analog converter. So you, you get that headphone. It had a black wire on it, but it was a whole different black wire than when I was a little boy. And this one had an XLR plug at the end, and you plugged it into the DAC, and you could sit there and listen, and these, all oh, the music was at such another level. Well, nowadays, the technology is growing so that the, the wire that we used to need now, they're building now headphones that don't even require a wire. And you can almost, not quite, almost get the same kind of sound. Technology is moving. Cars are now being moved by electricity alone. Technology is being moving. It's moving. Nowadays, people don't even have to know how to park. The car parked for you. And for some people, this is a very good thing. You don't even have to turn around in, in some of these cars and vehicles now. They've got a camera to jump up right as soon as you put it in reverse, and the camera shows you where you're going before you get there. And in case you're about to hit something, the camera starts, and they make a noise. Beep, 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 beep. Amazing. But with all of our accomplishments of the computer age and of the technology, there's more technology in your telephone now than was on the first Apollo spaceship. With all of that, still limited. Still, we are still only a speck in the universe. We are nothing. And when we recognize the nothingness of ourselves, we then can bow down to the awesomeness of our God. Uh, you, you saw um, um, Dr. Robertson, Robertson who came visit us a few weeks ago and preached at our anniversary. Uh, and, and when he came uh, to preach, I, I was calling him one time to get him to come and teach at our BNP program at Hartford University at HIU, Hartford International University of Religion and Peace. And I, I called him up, and, uh, and I'm talking to him, and we're having a full conversation. He says, okay, Doc, I'll be able to do that. He said, when I get back, and I mentioned this to you before, he was standing in Egypt in front of the pyramid having a conversation with me in Connecticut. You know, if, if someone had said that a thousand years ago, they'd have thought they were a god. Technology has moved, but it has not put us on the level of divinity. And we need to recognize our human limitations. He uses those a series of metaphors or analogies to say, look, you can't go into heaven. 
you, 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 ain't, you ain't got but so much power to get up but so high. You can't get, gather the wind into your fist. You can feel the wind blow across your hand, and you can ball your fist, but you can't grab the wind. You can't bound up the ocean in your garment, just take your, 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 your jacket and put some water in it. It ain't going to stay but so much. He says all of this belongs to God. And that's where we begin because we get then to this, what I think in verse 2 is a prayer. Verse, verse 7 and 8, rather, is a prayer. Because the second thing that happens, and this will be the second lesson, look at verse 7. He says, two things have I asked of you. Do not deny them to me before I die. First thing, keep deception and lies far from me. Now, he says, keep deception and lies far from me. And I, I probably would add liars. But that was not the issue. He was not talking about lying. He was talking about being deceived by the lies we tell ourselves. Watch what he says. Here are, here are the lies that he wants to keep from him. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is my portion so that I will not, not be full and deny you. Say who is the Lord or that I will not be poor and steal and so profane the name of my God. Again, I know you need a little, little direction on this. So what, watch this. Number two, the second lesson he gives us is the lesson of humble longing or humble desires, humble longing. What do you mean humble longing? Because this is a prayer that is really a, and, and I call it a prayer, it's not necessarily a prayer, but I, I think it's a plea before God that God do something for me to keep me from losing me. Let me put it another way. God rescue me from me. Rescue me from the stupidity that would rest on me if you didn't keep me from me being me. If you didn't keep me from me acting a fool, I would be stupid. So God, rescue me from me. And the way I want you to rescue me is to keep me from lying to myself. So I, I call this a self-awareness prayer. And here's a self-awareness prayer. Lord, don't let me be deceived by thinking you've forgotten me. And that'd be the first part, is thinking that you made me poor. You, you, you wouldn't give me no food. Uh, please don't let me be deceived by thinking you. And then, or don't make me so well off that I don't need you. In either case, my life would be ruined. Now, now he's not praying against wealth. He's praying against wealth that makes me believe I no longer need God. He, he's not saying, I don't want you, God, don't make me rich. Don't, don't, give, me, don't give me more than enough. Don't fill my barns. Don't, don't let my bank account overflow. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, God, don't give me what I can't handle. And give me, a, give me so that I continue to recognize that you have blessed me. That all that I have came from you. I'm still humble. I'm still meek. I still know who I am because I know which side my bread is buttered on. I know that all good things and every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness. I know that you, God, have blessed me, not me, myself. Every blessing I have, every little step I take, I know it's from you. Every gift you've given me, I know it's from you. The house I live in, the car I drive, the food on my table, it all comes from you. And God, keep me where I recognize it. Don't, don't know. I'm not asking you not to give me wealth. I'm just asking you to help me that when you give it to me, I know how to say thank you. I'm asking you that when you put, you put it in my pocket, I know how to bless you with it. 
When you, when you bless me, I won't get so arrogant that I walk by the poor and the needy or that I won't care about the weak or the lowly or those who have made a mistake and a misstep in life. God, I want to stay where I'm humble enough to be used by you. Here's, what, here's my humble longing. My longing is that God, I want to be blessed, but I want to be blessed in such a way that I still know it's you. It still knows you. Nobody but you, Lord. When all of it comes in, let it come, let it come, let it come. Let the blessing come, let the healing come, let the miracle come, let the joy come, let the peace come, let the happiness come. But God, as you shower me down with blessings, let me fall down to my knees all the more with a reverence for you, with a hallelujah in my spirit. Let me lift up a tongue of the learned God that I might speak a word even to the weary. God, go with all that you do for me, God. Provoke me back to your altar where I can keep on giving your name the glory and the honor and all of the praise because you deserve it. You deserve it! glory. You deserve it. And, and, and this is the thing and, and each of us should be praying that way. A humble longing. The longing is to be blessed but to be blessed and be humble. Be humble. We get to number three, which is in verse 10. He says something to them. He says, do not slander or malign a servant before his master. Stay out of another person's, another's personal life or he will curse you for your interference and you will be found guilty. Number three is this, hesitate to lambast. Hesitate to lambast. And number three. In, in other words, you know, it's so easy to talk about folk, and we're pretty good at doing it. It's so easy to say things about people. It's so easy to get in everybody's business. It's so easy to, 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 to think you know what another is dealing with. It's so easy to speak on somebody else's life. But what he teaches us is, look, you hold your peace. Be hesitant to lambast somebody. I, 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 I shudder to think what, what my life would be like if I said everything that came in my head. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. You can put yourself in this if you want to. Sometimes... Maybe it's just me. I, maybe I'll be the only one. Sometimes I think some, some things that I'm like, but it won't come out of my mouth. It'll cross my mind. It'll cross my mind. I look at it and say, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my mind, but I won't say it. I, I may have some strong opinions, but they're not necessarily mine to give. What I recognize is that I hesitate to lambast anyone because I don't understand what their circumstances are. I don't know what was going on at that time. I don't know the context of what's happening there. I hesitate to get in someone else's stuff because I don't know what they're dealing with. I don't know what choices they, were ha they had that they could work from. You know, you look at somebody who made some bad choices, who stole something, did something they shouldn't have done, and you, your first thing is, you're no good, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and, -so, and you ought to be so-and-so, and so-and-so. And, -so. and, and what, what you should look at and say, there before the grace of God, go high. Yeah, just because, just see, some of us forget that a whole lot we've done, just nobody knows. Because if everybody knew everything you've done in your life, they might not look at you like they look at you now. Because, see, they see you as a saint now. They don't know you used to be a sinner, and you still are just saved by grace. They don't know what you used to do. See, you think that because nobody can tell the story of when you were dropping it like it's hot, that there ain't a story there to be told. The truth of the matter is that some of us have stopped doing some things because God has blessed us and saved you 
and kept you. And the good thing that he did for you was not only did he save you, he covered you with his blood. Hello, somebody. You've got to realize, hesitate to pass. Hesitate to get into stuff. And number four, we come up on verse 11 through 14. And this is very interesting. Here it is. Beginning of verse 11, there is a generation, a class of people that curses its father and does not bless its mother. God, there's some people like that right now. Woo! There's a generation, a class of people that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. They think they're clean, but uh, as, the, as the hip hop boys say, they riding dirty. There's a generation, a class of people, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyes are raised in arrogance. There's a generation, class of people, whose teeth are like swords and whose jaw teeth are like knives to devour the afflicted from the earth and the needy from among men. He says that the lesson here, this is the fourth lesson is, that haughtiness is a liability. Haughtiness is a liability. You, you know, you, you've got to get to the place not to think more highly of yourself than you are. Because some people have given in to this self-made generation and they think more of themselves than they should. And they become so prideful that they're walking around like they're, as Jill Scott, like they blank don't stink. That's what Jill Scott said. I didn't say Jill said that. It, the, the reality is that whenever one allows oneself to think too highly of oneself, one thinks that I can, I can kick those that help me, mother and father, to the curb. I can look at myself, I'm all that in a bag of chips, walking around in my own filthiness. It's like that old Peanuts commercial. I got a whole cloud of dust traveling with me and don't even know my dust done got loose. There's a whole group of people who are lofty in their own eyes. It is, it is a part of this last day generation. In the last days, men would become heady and high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They would be, do what was right in their own eyes. And this is that generation. And what, what saints, those who would be religious and righteous, those who would live for God, have to be careful of is not to let that spirit rub off on you. You remain humble and never haughty, never arrogant. You remain teachable. You remain one that is loving and one that to whom honor is due, but one who gives honor to those who go on before us. Because all you'll do if you allow a spirit of, of conceit, that's what it is, a spirit of narcissism to rest upon you, what you will do is you will live your life devouring the weak which means you will not care who has to be trampled, what needy person has to be taken from in order for you to get. Um, there's a, I don't know how true it is, but I do know that there's a court case that's getting ready to happen involving former NFL player Brett Favre. And I've mentioned this case before, but what, what I have not said about this case is that Brett Favre wanted his former school and the school where his daughter was a volleyball player to get a volleyball field and a field house. And it's an honorable desire. And I think that it would have been laudable. I wish he had went on and got some of his NFL friends and some alumni together and raised the money. Instead, he thought the way to get it was through the government and through the state of Mississippi. And so what they ended up doing was taking money meant for the 
poor and using that money meant for those lost, least, left out, left behind, lacking in, in everything. And they took that money to build a volleyball field. Four million dollars. Baby, come on now. You know, and, and I'm not sure he even knew where the money was coming from. And I'm not sure he even cared because in his mind, the need for that volleyball court and the need for a wonderful facilities outweighed where it came from. The fact that the poor get trampled is just a fact of reality. It's just life. Oh, well, they should have had somebody advocating for them. What happens when you allow yourself to get swelled up in who you are you will do things that you'll later come to regret because you will end up devouring the weak so that you could look strong. Ooh, preach wise. This is a good lesson tonight. Verse 15 and 16. This, this, uh, this, this is going here. The leech has two daughters. That's right, leech has two daughters. Give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that do not say it is enough. She whole, that's hell, the place of departed spirits, and the barren womb, the earth that is never satisfied with water, and a fire that never says it's enough. You gotta be careful, number five, of hungry leeches. Be careful of hungry leeches. There are some folk in this world that'll suck you dry. They just want what they want. They're gonna take it by any means necessary. They're gonna get what they want. They are insatiable in their greed. They're insatiable. You can't, they can't get enough. Two daughters to the leech, give and give. And the problem is that you need to recognize, make sure in yourself first that you don't have that spirit and make sure you can recognize it in those that have it so that you do not become a victim to their greediness. It's a wicked world we live in. And there's some people that are never satisfied. You know, it, it, it always, it always um, baffles me how a person can be a billionaire and still act as though they got to go and take from somebody that has nothing. It, it, is, it is that spirit that gets on them that wants to crush the weak so that they can feed their hunger. And it's a demonic spirit. Number six comes in verse 17. And here's what it says. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young vultures will devour it. And I want to take number six and I want to call it a horrific lapse. Horrific lapse. Whenever an individual gets to the place where they don't realize or have respect for their elders, they are only putting themselves in jeopardy of death. The ravens, or the ravens is a word of talking about a vulture. The raven is that, that bird, a scavenger bird that eats dead things. So what he's, what he's saying is that the end of that person that does not have respect for elders, that person's end is going to be death. That person's end is going to be death. God, God expects us. It is, it's, no, it's no accident that the Bible tells us and gives us a promise when it comes to honoring elders. 
It says, honor your father and your mother, and here's the promise, that your days may be long upon the face of the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Which therefore means that this text is the antithesis of that text. By antithesis, I mean the opposite of it. When you do not honor your father and your mother, the ravens will pluck out your eyes. And the young vultures, the eyes are choice things. Snatch them out like a delicacy. The, the big birds get them. And the young vultures... Too small to jump up first. They'll be plucking off the, the skin of your body and eating the flesh. A horrific lapse. I know that one was difficult. I had to I'm sorry. I, whoo, this is a good one tonight. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Thank you, Sister Candy. You got it. You rolling, girl. Amen. I'm at number seven. And this is verse 18, 19, and 20. There are three things which are too astonishing and unexpectedly wonderful to me, for me. Four which I don't understand. The way of an eagle in the air. <clears throat> the way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship in the middle of the ocean or the sea. And the way of a man with a maid. That fourth one seems out of place. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Now, all of you are looking at me right now, and you probably lean a little close to your computer, probably pulled your phone up a little higher. You look at the PDA, you're saying this, now, mm, Bishop, what is this? Number seven is heedless lassitude. And the word lassitude is the word for the condition of, of, of indifference, indolent indifference, indolent indifference. What do you mean, Reverend? Let's go back, let's go back. It's interesting. When the eagle flies, Remember, it leaves what? No trace. It flies across the sky with no trace of it being there. When the serpent goes across the ground, it leaves no trace. Unless he's shedding its skin, it leaves no trace that he came going across the rocks. When the ship passes through the ocean, after its wake has calmed down, there's no trace of what path it took. Each of those things represent things that happen without a trace. And he says, uh, what you need to recognize is you may think that you can do certain things without a trace, as in be with somebody, as in an adulterous woman. You may think that, or an adulterous man, you may think that you can clean up and nobody know, but just because there is no trace in the moment doesn't mean that there is no trace. Ask anybody who's had the wake-up call that recognizes that nine months later, there's trace. Or the worst call to find out you have to go make a doctor visit because there's a burning and a yearning. There's a trace. He says, it's astounding to me that people will think that just because there's no apparent trace, that there is no repercussion. Something always happens. 
folk online looking at they were like, Bishop, woo, you walking down hard road. Come on with me. We feel this thing tonight. We got a lesson up in here. Let's roll. Come on, drop down verse 21 through 22, 23. I'm dropping dimes, y'all. I'm dropping dimes. Verse 21. Under three things, the earth is disquieted and quakes. And under four, it cannot bear up. Under a servant, when he reigns. Under a spiritually blind fool, when he is filled with food. Under an unloved woman, when she gets married. And under a maidservant, when she supplants her mistress. And this number eight is this. Heightening loathsomeness. Heightening loathsomeness. The point here is that some people, when elevated, who should not be in positions will become more of what they really are and they'll become worse off. They can't handle the position they're in because they have no sense of that position because they've never held it before. They become worse. So that the person who used to be here, who has not prepared himself for here, gets there and doesn't know what to do with it. They become more loathsome. Or worse still, the person who used to be the maid or the, or the girlfriend, the side chick, the, the one who used to be the backdoor visitor now gets made the wife. Let me put it anyway. I'll give it another way. Here it is. The message Bible puts it this way. Three things are too much for, for even the earth to bear. This is a message by verse 21 through 23. Yes, four things shake its foundation. When the janitor becomes the boss, when a fool gets rich, when a prostitute is voted woman of the year, and when a girlfriend replaces a faithful wife. He said those things there, those are intolerable. They make no sense. Whew. I know y'all, y'all stay with me tonight. I'm working, I'm working on, I'm working on this. I'm this, this is the Bible. I'm not making it up. I'm not going searching for something to talk about. I'm just reading the word of the living God. I'm at number nine, y'all. I'm in verse 24 through 28. We're going to make it, y'all. We're going to get all 11 in. There are four things that are small on the earth, but they're exceedingly wise. Small but wise. The ants are not a strong people, yet they prepare their food in the summer. He says then, he says, the Shepnin are not a mighty folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king. Yet all of them go out in groups. You may grasp the lizard in your hands. The lizard has no defense mechanisms. There's no, no teeth, no, no, no clamping jaws. He said, yet it gets in the king's palace. Here's what he says. There yet can be hardiness in lack. Hardiness in lack. It, it, it's um, one of the things I've learned over the years. Sometimes people put people down because they do this one small, this one that, and the other. They don't realize that the strength is not always in the size. Strength, it, it comes in size, but it's not always just in size. Uh, Simone Biles is um, getting ready. Well, she's engaged to a young man that's an NFL football player. And uh, they worked out together, and she outworked him. Yeah, yeah, because there are things that her body has been accustomed to doing and weights that she can lift and things she can do because she's been an athlete all of her life, even though he's bigger, not necessarily stronger. Not necessarily as flexible 
Why? Because just because I'm small doesn't mean I don't have hardiness. He uses the illustration uh, of the ant. He uses it because he said this is a small creature, but they know how to work together. They know how to store things up. He says, don't you ever despise smallness. You know, um, one of the greatest basketball players ever played in the NBA was Allen Iverson. And Allen Iverson was not tall. And uh, Allen Iverson laughed because the, one of the compliments he got from, uh, from Kobe Bryant before he died, him and Kobe were never really good friends, or never tight, but Kobe uh, was talking about Allen Iverson about, as one of the greatest players he's ever played against. He said, this is one great play. And he said, well, what would you say about Allen Iverson? He said, I'm just glad he wasn't 6'8". Because at his size, if he's killing me at that size, if God had made him 6'8", we would have never stopped him. Muggsy Bogues was one of the shortest guys in the NBA ever to play. But at his height, he still played with the Giants. Some of those guys, he came up to their waist, but they couldn't stop him. Why? Because there's still hardiness. And what we've got to make sure we get into our spirits as believers is to never let ourselves see ourselves as small. You know, the children of Israel, they got to the promised land the first time. They looked around and said, um, there are giants in the land. And we were as grasshoppers in front of them. Well, wait a minute. The giants never called you grasshoppers. You saw yourself as a grasshopper, so you don't even deserve to walk among giants. You don't even see yourself as worthy of walking among giants because you see yourself as a little one and they, they're big. No, oh, if you could only thought like a person who was strong and mighty and knew who you are. Know who you are. God's got something with your name on it. Number 10, we're at number 10 now. We're at verse 29 through 31. Here he says, there are three things which are stately in step, even four which are stately in their stride. The lion, which is mighty among the beasts and does not turn back before any. The strutting rooster, the male goat also, and the king when his army is with him. Uh, the message Bible puts it this way, verse 29, 31. There are, there are three solemn dignitaries, four that are impressive in their bearings. A lion, king of the beasts, deferring to none. A rooster, proud and strutting. A billy goat and a head of state in a stately procession. Here's what he calls this. Number 10 is honorable luminaries. Honorable luminaries. Number 10, honorable luminaries. And I'm going to put this to you like this. When you know who you are, it don't matter what anybody else thinks about you. You still can be what God wants you to be. Now, put it like this. The lion doesn't ask you if he's the king of the jungle. He just acts like the king. And you describe him that way. Because he's just acting lion. Y'all, I'm about to go over somebody's head now. So stay with me here. He doesn't ask what you think. He just, I'm just being what I was made to be. He uses a rooster. The rooster gets up in the morning and makes his noise and struts around. He doesn't ask you whether or not you could kill him and cook him and treat him and, and put him on for dinner tonight. No, but he's going to strut because he's just being rooster. And above all the creatures he put on here, the goat, the male bully goat, he said, yeah, even the goat knows who he is. And he just going to be goat. He said, he says, and among them are a king in his procession. In other words, those that know who they are, walk in it, process in it every day. Let me, let me say this to you. Come on to church. We get, we're going to shout on this one. I'm going to be done in a moment. When you know that you're a child of the king, 
when you know that you're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, when you know that you have the ability to not only approach the throne, but to come boldly to the throne of grace there which you can obtain mercy, when you know that your elder brother sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you, when you know that the King of kings and Lord of lords cared so much about you that he sent his son down through 40 and two generations, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and put him in a manger and then got him up out that manger so he could go up to a cross and die for your sins and get up on the third day morning when you know that he has given you access to God by saying, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, but now ask in my name that your joy might be fulfilled. When you know that you've got the name of Jesus to go to the throne with and you got power in that name to bind up and to loosen because whatever you bind on earth, he'll bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, he'll loose in heaven. Then you start walking like a child of the king. The honorable luminary is not just a king. He's the king's kid. And that's you. I'm closing now. I'm, I'm closing. I'm closing. And then he closes out. He closes the chapter. He shuts it down in verse 32 and verse 33. He closed it down almost like he started it. With a, but this time with a slam against arrogance. Here's what he says, verse 32. If you have foolishly exalted yourself, if you try to make yourself big instead of being big in God, or if you plotted evil, put your hand on your mouth, trying to hide it, it wasn't me. All right, Shaggy. Surely the churning of milk produces butter, and the wringing of the nose produces blood. So the churning of anger produces strife. Come on back when we read the Message Bible. If you're dumb enough to call attention to yourself by offending people, and making rude gestures, don't be surprised if somebody blutters your nose. Churned milks turns to butter. Rowdy motions turn into fistfights. Last one. Hubris is a liability. Number 11. Hubris is a liability. Whenever you function out of pride, out of hubris, you have taken on a liability because your next step could be the one that gets you knocked on your rumpty pump. You got to know, stay humble, stay with God, let God lead you, let God open doors for you. Don't be afraid to act like a king's kid as long as you know King's kids are humble. This is the word of God for the people of God. And I hope you can say, thanks be to God. God bless you. I love you all tonight. Thank you so much for joining us here. And thank you for this time with your, I appreciate you joining in with us here. And I want to tell you to you tonight, um, each of you, if you're listening to me tonight and you say, man, that word affected my life. You spoke to my spirit. I want you to join me tonight and become a part of the Shiloh family. You can join us. You can uh, direct message us on Facebook or you can email us here at Shiloh here in New London, church admin at Shiloh NL Complex org. You can get in touch with us. Call us tomorrow. 860-443-6046 extension 110. You can let us know and we will be happy to bring you in to the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ and into this ministry. I want to invite you now to give. You know how to give. There are three ways to give. You can give by Givelify to Shiloh Baptist Church, New London, Connecticut, or you can give to by, by Cash App, dollar sign, Shiloh NL, or you can mail it in. Your gifts tonight go into the benevolent offering in which the deacon and deaconess in this house do a wonderful job administering and blessing those who are in need. They are great stewards over what God has given to the body 
body of Christ, and they know how to be a blessing to the saints of God. You can put your confidence in your leadership. They are doing a wonderful job. Please join us in giving tonight as unto the Lord. I bless those offerings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will never be in want or in lack because even as you sow into good soil, I pray even now you will reap the harvest that God has for you in Jesus' name. Well, saints, I love you all with the love of the Lord. I ask you to keep praying for one another. Uh, pray for Deaconess Miles as she's taking uh, that long flight back to Singapore that God will give her traveling mercies. And I also ask you to join me in prayer tonight. Please keep our dear sister Lorraine Thomas in your prayers. Uh, sister Lorraine, her mother is extremely ill. And uh, saints, check in on her. Let her know we're praying for her. We love her. Uh, sister Lorraine Thomas is the chair or the head of our uh, Sunday school ministry. And I just wanted her to know we love her. We're praying for her. We're praying for her mother. We're lifting them up. And I ask you to join me in a special prayer for Sister Lorraine. We want you to hold her up before God. That's Sister Lorraine Thomas. And we're still praying for all those other persons, uh, Brother Jenkins and Alyssa and Michael Watts and all of those other Minister Glory Easley and all of you who are going through various things in your bodies. We're praying for you. Some of you who have tests this week or who have surgery coming up, I want you to know we are praying for you. We love you with the love of the Lord. Well, saints, I'll see you online or I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow, join me at 1 o'clock for prayer. We're going we're gonna to do the thing. Get online. God has a word with your name on it. Community prayer at 1 o'clock. Call in 877-722-0460. Join in to community prayer at 1 o'clock tomorrow. We look forward to having you be a part of our prayer chain. God bless you. I love you all with the love of the Lord. This has been a great night to be together. And yes, the saints are already putting the, the call of peace into the chat box right now. I ask God's blessings upon you. May you, you go in the peace of the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And may God's peace rest upon your lives. Because this time now is the greatest time of your life. Because this is a season of a new anointing and a fresh wind in this house. I love you. Go in peace. And you know what I say. Shalom.